Greetings, travelers. So, you know how as kids you would pick, like, a specific historical moment, like the Titanic or the Hindenburg disaster, and become fascinated with that? That's what this episode is about. And if you've ever taken a history class, you know history can get pretty gory. So, this is your content warning. Also, as usual, there will be swearing, so viewer discretion is advised. It's that bolt. I'm gonna punch her. Hey! <laughs> she deserves it. Not true. Not I'm true. right She's... here. I... <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking to editing Jordan's ghost. I don't know what this thing is that keeps talking to me. <laughs> the ghost of Jordan past. <laughs> I think you mean the ghost of Jordan future if it's the editing Jordan. Oh yeah, that's true. It would be future. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Unless... future. Unless. Un- just kidding. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Nat One Podcast, aka Nope, because nope, you're not gonna wanna hear what we're about to have to say. I'm Pertusa. I'm Levi. And I'm Jordan. Today <laughs> is our history episode. We're gonna talk about Wow, that was history. a good segue. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and that was a pretty nice connection between the two topics as well. But <laughs> we're gonna talk about history stuff today. And as some of us may have noticed, I'm not sure if we actually mentioned on the podcast yet, but Levi is a history major, so wow. feel he, compelled he, to... He's the, he the educator boy. Yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> take, it, take it away, Levi. Let's start talking about history. In the Beninging, uh, in, in, in the, in the Beninging... Is there a gas In, in the Beninging... Uh, Huh? Yeah. Uh, Should should we call someone? In the. I think our history major's broken, dude. In the. We need a new one. The bean. The beginning. The beginning. 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 In the beginning. There we go. That's it. Medical Jordan, save him. (laughs) New Jordan. Jordan, you guys know can only uh, D, right? That's not a thing that I, I can't. Can. The reason, the reason it was when I was watching it is because like his and there's some guy who's standing next to him and he keeps going like, listen very closely. The president is speaking, and he just keeps going in the beginning, in the beginning, and it, oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, by like episode. 25 there's going to be a whole universe of jordans that exist for each and every the jordan verse the jordan that's our version of nfts yeah oh. <laughs> i don't oh. know if you want that jordan if you no, remember our earlier promise no. <laughs> we're just gonna have jordan make a pose and take a picture of that and then we'll slap a bunch of like jpeg images of different outfits on her and that's the no. nfts absolutely uh. rarest jordan is a uh, construction worker osha violator jordan <laughs> <laughs> one of one one of one <laughs> rarest nft in existence only way to get her is to confirm that you've committed an osha violation in the past month <laughs> you have to out yourself to osha yes. <laughs> i'll never work again but at least i got this nft silly man that's the uh the artist jordan is you have to prove you're not a niche before to purchase it <laughs> that's a niche art world joke but <laughs> I, I i understood that reference you did <laughs> i did um, oh boy well good thing it's a history ep- episode even though 
like not kind of history it's like sort of history it's more art discourse yeah discord not sponsored discord so today we're gonna be talking about oh i mean i'll do a little intro uh welcome to the nat one podcast aka nope because nope you're not going to want to hear what we are about to say i'm pertusit i'm uh the nat one clipper also known as knock (laughs) what now Knock. The knock. I, I'm Jordan. I, I, am, name. <laughs> I am the knock, also known as Levi. You are I, the one who knocks. He is. It's, it's an anagram. <laughs> you rearrange my name and then you get knock. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> the Levi is silent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a great uh, Vespa into our next topic what <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> history today indeed we are and hopefully Levi i won't have another stroke <laughs> listen listening that was just the beninging that's <laughs> dang he's right he's spinning uh. <laughs> or should i say he's spinging <laughs> oh. <laughs> no history obviously has had several impacts on D, whether it be like historical representations of creatures like dragons and and nymphs and all that stuff or actual history like people have swords and armor and stuff <laughs> yep actually fun fact uh one of the original tabletop games that became dnd there's a documentary about this on amazon go check it out uh one of the original <laughs> tabletop games that would uh, that would become dnd came out of a historical map game not like the one levi played wasn't, it called, wasn't it called something in chainmail that that was the original con- conception of D anD D, but the like actual, like the actual playing of tabletop role playing games came from yeah. playing like war games, like Risk, but not Risk. Oh. It was a different game. But yes, Chainmail was the original inception of D anD D. Wow. So yeah, hence why we're going to talk about history a bit today. But you got you know us by now. Come on, we've had a few episodes. We're not just going to sit here and lecture to you and be like ingingingging. Except that's exactly what we did. We're going to instead talk to you about some of the funniest or coolest moments of history that we want to talk about. These are moments you might not already know, might be things you've never heard of. And also, Levi's the only one here that's a history major, so take the rest yeah. of ours with a grain of salt on how uh, true it is. <laughs> I mean, even... my, my information is only coming from my like elementary school hyperfixations. Mm-hmm. From a history major's perspective, um, you should also take mine with a grain of salt because the academia of history is constantly evolving. It's just like any other science, just because it's more based in the humanities. You know, we learn things, we learn new stuff constantly. Although take mine with less salt because I am the one learning about exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Salt levels is good. I know uh, audio listeners. I need less iodine than they do. So so get your scales out at home, get your salt ready, make sure you appropriate three cups for each of us, and now get ready. Prepare to measure over the course of this (laughs) hour-long episode. There will be a test, this will be on the final. Yes. So So, I feel like it's only fitting that we should start with our our, our history major, I was going to say young history major, but he's like two years younger than me, one year. (laughs) I mean, that's still younger. True. so. So young history major. Padawan yep. history major. Why don't you tell us about one of your favorite moments from history? J- just explain it to begin, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of discussion. Well, 
I love history. I love history. So it's really hard for me to pick like a specific moment that I think is amazing, awesome, cool, wonderful. I don't even have like a thing that got me into history. I've just kind of always liked it. So in preparation for this episode, I looked up something that was very recent that I had learned about myself in history that I did not know about yet. Really? Because yes, in college right now, I'm taking a class that's on the early modern period. And it's a global early modern period class. So we talk about the globe and not just like Europe or European centric stuff or American centric stuff. Quick question we, for yeah. uh, the, the uneducated. It's definitely not me, but like the uneducated people at home. What is the actual history definition of the early modern period for real for real? Well, see, that's funny because like I just said before we started, take everything with a grain of salt because we're still learning and formulating our own like hypotheses and theories mm. about what it is. We, no one agrees. No one agrees on that one. No one in, no one yeah. in the field of history agrees. There are multiple groups that like agree with each other, but we haven't formed a broad consensus. My point of view that I subscribe to is the early modern period begins in the late 15th century, which is the 1400s with the discovery of the Americas, because that propels. There are other people that argue it starts before that, because we actually see a little bit of industrialization in late medieval Europe and around the Netherlands before that. But yeah, there, the, I subscribe to the idea that it begins roughly when the Americas are discovered, because that marks the beginning of Europe's rise on the international level and overcoming other foreign powers. And it's the birth of colonialism and all that, those things, which Okay. are pretty much signifying of the early modern period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So just preceding the early modern period, I learned about this because, just like in this podcast episode, my professor was like, what's, what's a cool factoid you know about history and perhaps the early modern period, if you will, for the history majors in the class? Those of you who aren't history majors, you can just say anything. But the history majors, I want you to pick something from this topic. And I was like, Tang Dynasty China. Oh, boy. Tang Dynasty China, which is right before the early modern period, it ends right before the early modern period, roughly. There was a series of events known as the Anlu Shan Rebellion. And just like, luckily, I had managed to stumble across this information right before I got into this class. So I could tell everyone about this amazing and awesome fact. There's the siege. There is a siege in the Anlu Shan Rebellion called the Siege of Suyang. And in the Siege of Suyang, I'm just going to read the Wikipedia casualties and losses. Okay, okay. So belligerents, Tang Dynasty and the Yan rebels, they were called the Yan rebels. Strength, Tang Dynasty had 9,800 forces besieging Suiyang, which had the Yan rebels had 150,000 oh. soldiers. Casualties and losses, the, the Tang are attacking, the Yan, the Yan are defending. The Tang took 9,600 deaths out of 9,800. The Yan took 60,000 deaths out of 150,000, and also 20 to 30,000 civilians were eaten. What? Specifically eaten. By? The siege of Suiyang resulted in a prolonged state of famine, according to the old book of Tang. So in order to solve this famine, one of the commanders of the Yan forces decided... No, no, don't say it. We're gonna kill 
the civilians and eat them. Oh! So, Pratusa, imagine you're me in the Discord at like 11.30 at night, and this is the first thing you hear. Uh, so, like, early modern period, you said, uh, I wasn't there, obviously, or is it obvious? But, but like, there had to have been a better call than eat the people, right? Right. Well, uh, I mean, let me read. Think. This is this is a pr- a piece from a primary source called the Old Book of Tang. Okay, primary Yin source. Yin Ziki had besieged the city for a long time. The food in the city had run out. The dwellers traded their children to eat and cooked bodies of the dead. Fears were spread, and worse situations were expected. At this time, Zhang Jun took his concubine out and killed her in front of his soldiers in order to feed them. He said, "Quote." You have been working hard at protecting this city for the country wholeheartedly. Your loyalty is uncompromised despite the long-lasting hunger. Since I can't cut out my own flesh to feed you, how can I keep this woman and just ignore the dangerous situation? All the soldiers cried, and they did not want to eat. I, I would oh. imagine. <laughs> Zhang Zun ordered them to eat the flesh. Whoa. Afterwards, they caught the women in the city. After the women were run out, they turned to the old and young males. The women and children first, I guess. And the old. <laughs> and the old. 20,000 to 30,000 people were eaten. People always remained loyal. Golly. See, this now, is the kind of thing that gets talked about in our Discord very late at night with very little prompting. <laughs> yeah. There's that one, which is a good one. And then there's also... Uh, I wouldn't the say ta- it's a good one, it's Levi. Good, there's, the, there's the Taiping Rebellion, which is like more cannibalism i don't remember exactly the dates of the taiping rebellion but that one's more interesting just because of who's leading it it's also the bloodiest war in human history oh wow it's the civil war in china let me see if <laughs> i can how we get a content strike <laughs> the taiping just, rebellion just so we we're clear we do not uh, endorse cannibalism I on want, this podcast i want you to, to guess not. i want you two to guess how many casualties occurred because of the taiping rebellion Paramount, so. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the date. Okay. It occurred from 1850 to 1864. Okay. So I'm this actually was lot. occurring at the exact same time as the American Civil War. It overlapped with the American yeah. Civil War by four years. If this is like the biggest, deadliest one ever, it's not the deadliest, but by like proportion for the time and the oh. global population at the time. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it proportionally, I believe it is the deadliest. Okay. War in Inflation. History. Yes. <laughs> so also, it's one of those that. ones where, because it's so far back, we have like a wide range that we're pretty sure it's between this number or this number. So you can do that too if you want. Okay, Jordan, you have a you have a good guess. I'm I thinking. just said a lot. I a lot. will give you this hint: it is in double digits. Okay, that helps. <laughs> That's all for a rebellion, too, right? I realize that didn't help as much as it. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> You'll understand why I meant what I meant by that once I tell you. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm gonna go with you said double digits, right? Yeah. Wait, double digits. Hold on. Wait a minute. Thirteen? What? Wait. No. No. Wait. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant by double. That's not what I meant by double digits. That's not what I meant by double digits. I. 
We was about to lose his talking privileges. <laughs> you tricksy son of a gun. You I've done got. It's not what I meant. I actually meant to help you. I actually tried and I just messed up. Okay, okay. So wait, what's what's the actual digit count then? Um eight. Oh wow. Okay. Golly, that's a lot. Okay. You'll understand why I said double once we get past this part. I'm assuming it's all twos. I'm going to go like 2,000 something, something, something. <laughs> Eight digits, bro. I'm going to... I can't count that high. I can't. <laughs> That's like I a lot a of... I am a writer. I am not a math. You could so count that high divorce. eventually if you tried. <laughs> I... Levi, you've seen me try to do math. <laughs> Steam starts coming out and everything is crazy. Uh... <laughs> I I'm bet gonna... TJ's counted that high before. Yeah, I bet TJ. TJ can do that, yeah. He's watched that not much Naruto. I'm going to say 75 million. You actually overestimated. Ah! Was um, I right with all twos? No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Casualties and losses between 20 and 30 million. Wow. I, so I was the closest is what you're saying. <laughs> this ain't Price is Right rules. Price yeah, is Wrong is. rules. <laughs> yeah, so if... I go real quick and do a global population in 1864. Yeah. Like two people, I think. In 1864. Okay. We don't have an exact number for 1864, but we do have an 1850, which was 1.2 billion people. Oh. <laughs> so if we do some quick math. Yeah. That's... I just told you I can't do that. Divided by... You said it was 1.2 billion? Mm -hmm. Oh, I did that wrong. One, two, three, four, five. Eh. Uh Eh. That's um, like one 160th or so? One sec. I'm doing doing bad math here. Wait, (laughs) wait. Okay. What's 1.2 billion divided by, if we're going, if we're lowballing, 20 million. 20 million. Let's see. One, two, zero. Zero. Oh, give me the number. Give me just copy paste it. I, <laughs> I think that's one sixtieth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because I just got sixty. Yeah, that was one sixtieth of the global population. That's crazy. That's... Yeah, Jordan, you're probably gonna have to cut out a lot of that dead air. Uh-huh. <laughs> a note from editing, Jordan. Yes. Yes, I did. Just cut to the part where I say one sixtieth of the global population. No, I'm gonna 160th. leave it all in. Told you I would. <gasps> this is doing what with it <laughs> but also that's not the craziest part that's not it's not the craziest part more the craziest, cannibalism the, no the craziest part is the guy who led this rebellion <gasps> grant um no steve the guy who led this rebellion was is it hong yeah i think it's hong Zhuhuan. yes familiar. leader of the taiping rebellion against the Qing dynasty. Mm-hmm. Visions and iconoclasm. In 1837, he attempted and failed the imperial examinations for the third time, leading to a nervous <laughs> breakdown. Uh, he was delirious oh no. for days, and at this point, his family feared for his life. While convalescing, Hong dreamed of visiting heaven, where he discovered that he possessed a celestial family distinct from his earthly family, which included a heavenly father, mother, elder brother, sister-in-law, wife, and son. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, I need blah, to get blah, me blah, some blah. of that, dude. Heavenly Father gave him a new name. Blah, blah, blah. Hong came to believe 
that they had given him the key to interpreting his visions. His celestial father was God the Father. The elder brother that he had seen was Jesus Christ. Dang, dude. (laughs) And he had been directed to rid the world of demon worship. This interpretation led him to conclude that he was the literal son of God and younger brother to Jesus. I had a nickel for every time that happened during the Qing dynasty. I'm going to guess and hope it's only one, but if it's more than one, (laughs) Hong appeared to have have genuinely believed in his ascent to heaven and divine mission as well. Like he wasn't just a con artist. (laughs) So he was crazy and got lucky because at the time when he did this rebellion, a lot of people were fed up with the Ching (laughs) and pretty much him. He was it was crazy, but like, I guess charismatic enough that people were like, this Christianity thing's got some stuff going for it. And he was preaching a horribly like <laughs> misinterpreted version of Christianity uh, that put himself as Jesus too, pretty much. Yeah. He said, Boogaloo? yeah, it's the part where I think he lost the, you know, the, the sheep or the people as it were, his, you know, his flock. He probably lost them when he said, eat the women, then the elderly. Sorry, stories are getting (laughs) crossed a little bit. And yeah, so he ended up causing a 14-year civil war in China that took the lives of 20 to 30 million people because he thought he was the brother of Jesus. Dang, dude. Sounds like a real fun guy. Oh, the the visual watchers hate you to death can see that I have my head in my hands at this remark. I, there, (laughs) there aren't, I see them. They're behind my screen right now. Who else what is What are you? <laughs> Audio listeners, I hear your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Levi's cool, interesting history fact. Before we completely I, move on. Are we saying cool and interesting or horrifying and gruesome? It is interesting. Well, maybe not cool, I but I would say, say cool. it is interesting. Interesting, yes. I'm not saying I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I well before we move on completely, let's discuss it. I hesitate to say let's discuss it in detail. Uh let's discuss the implications with it as far as DD is concerned. Because <laughs> wait, no, wait, don't what? click away yet. No, wait. <laughs> I don't know how you make no, this D think, relevant. No. no, no, I can see easily how this is D relevant. <laughs> see, okay. This is something I actually want to talk about on this broader platform because I think it's inter- It's worth discussing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> in our campaign, which you will eventually be able to hear more about later, yeah, uh, with Levi <laughs> in Vivia 2, we had a moment uh, or like a, an extended period of time in the game all about a siege. Didn't resort yeah. to cannibalism, but as far as we yeah, know. Yeah, it didn't last that long. Oh, God, I hope it didn't. <laughs> Levi, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. But obviously throughout history, sieges has been a long-standing thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. been the downfall of several nations. Well, maybe not nations, but like kingdoms, fiefdoms or whatever. Yeah. But that's not really represented very well in D&D, I don't think. Uh, again, no. visual watchers and audio listeners, I have not read up much on the official lore, especially of any edition, but 5e I'm most comfortable with. And I don't remember hearing about some crazy sieges that lasted months that are playable campaign settings or anything. So... It's, I would say it's because it's hard to have a siege be exciting if it's going to be like a real siege. I don't know. Ours is pretty fun. Well, ours was not like a real siege. So how sieges generally work in history was army one 
sits in place with big walls. Army two surrounds said place with big walls. They wait to see who starves to death first. <laughs> that is typically how sieges went. And usually because the people in the walled place have no access to the outside world, they're the ones who starve to death first. But the, generally the way it goes is the outside army doesn't want to attack because if they can just sit there and wait, why wouldn't you do that instead? The yeah. only way you usually get like assaults during sieges is if word comes that an army is coming to relieve the siege and they need to like it's vital that this city is taken or this castle is taken and it could end the war or something. Like that. That's when you get yeah, like yeah. assaults and stuff like that happening. But yeah, I as a DM, as a person running a campaign where I'm trying to have an action-packed story that you guys are heroes and involved in, mm -hmm. I didn't want you to sit in a city for literally, because in the real world, this could happen years as a siege yeah. went on. And, like, I wonder, obviously they haven't done it, but I wonder if it could be done well. Like, could you imagine a campaign setting? Well, maybe not a campaign setting, that'd be crazy. But like an adventure setting, like uh, Lamop, where perhaps you're in a sieged city or besieged city, or you come across one and you have to decide, uh, are you going to help with the besieging? Or are you going to try to go in and break the siege apart? Or it very well, I think it very well could be done easily. Uh, I actually am kind of surprised now I think about it, that this hasn't been incorporated into more adventures, but it could be easily done in that way you said where you encounter a siege and it's like something that's been going on for a while. It's a siege that's been happening in the world for a while, and it's like, you guys are the ones who are going to resolve it now. Now that it's been going on for months, it's pretty close to an ending point, but like the adventurers, the, the players, they're the ones who are going to determine yeah. who wins, who comes out on top. Yeah. That is That could be something that's very easy to be done, and I'm surprised I haven't thought, uh, not thought, heard <laughs> of it more. No. Also, it would be interesting, though, I think, to have an adventure that takes place in, like, a city that's under siege. That, I was thinking, if you really flesh out the city like they did in Descend to Avernus, that yeah. the, the, I feel like you can have a lot of potential for play there where you have to investigate the whole dang city, not just tavern and out, <laughs> like in yeah. most. <laughs> yeah, that but. could be an interesting concept. And that's the thing, too. You don't even necessarily have to be the conflict being the siege. It's yeah. just the setting is the city is under siege. There could be something else going on entirely True. that the party deals with. Or, or it could be the siege. That <laughs> well, I mean, or that. even, like, you kind of loosely connected something weird is going on, like, descending into Avernus. Like, yeah. something weird is going on with the city, and by resolving that conflict, that gives them in the edge in the situation yeah, yeah, yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Which I also wanted to ask you about this, Jordan, because... There's some, you know, part of the whole thing about the siege is like the supplies and the food, really, mm -hmm. like with, with the cannibals. <laughs> but in Olympus, I got you that boon that allows you to just summon food because a lot of the time not in anymore. D &D, not <laughs> anymore, but a lot of time in 5e, eating food and stuff is hand waved. You know, you got True. the food, you get it. It's so I was expected. Like, yeah, I'm like, it's really not a big deal. I'll give this boon unless you got food. And then I have the other one. So that way it kind of compensates for that feeling. Mm -hmm. But in a siege-like setting or in a world, that's not the only example in D&D where food can be spawned magically. There's the whole dang spell. There is. Like, You've got create, create, food and water. create food and water. And you also have the druid spell Goodberry. Yeah. I feel and... like that would be an interesting roleplay opportunity for clerics and druids to shine because then they that's... would become solely responsible for the food production. That's actually why, I don't know if you guys know about this, but that's actually why a lot of DMs ban the spell Goodberry. Is that really? why? <laughs> yes, because there are... When, when people do, like, survival 
type campaigns where it's like yeah. there's a specific example I'm thinking of, which is uh, Z Bashaw or Bashu, however you pronounce it. He's a YouTuber who does the animated spellbook series, and he has this one that he did one on, oh. which was specifically about Goodberry, which is he and two other people were they started as prisoners, and their goal was to break out of the prison, and that was the beginning of the campaign. And right when they got out of prison, their food problems were solved because he could just do Goodberry over and over again. So the DM was immediately like, okay, you're not allowed to do that anymore because it was supposed to be they like all had sat down beforehand and they talked about it and they were like, this is going to be a survival campaign where you're supposed to be like roughing it and you're going to have to get gritty to survive and stuff like that. So he, he ruined one of the points of the campaign by doing that. And that's a big reason why a lot of other DMs who like the nitty gritty survival stuff also ban that spell and just say, no, it doesn't exist. I guess that depends on your play style then. Cause like, mm-hmm. like we were saying earlier, we don't really deal with like, yeah, you have rations. Yeah. You use that. Like, we don't really worry about it too much. Uh, just like, usually we mention it once along, right? Yeah, we're eating. We don't really keep track, but I guess like, I guess that goes along with the same people that do like long rests or short rests and long rests or, uh, longer rests. <laughs> longer rests. Like, like you know the system that yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Like instead of long rests hours, are like downtime, or like, like over week, the course yeah. of a week yeah. instead of a day. I mean, that's what days. you vibe with. Like, yeah. Yeah. We should try that one of these days. Not a whole campaign like that, but maybe like a few sessions or something, just to one see. I try it. I am. I'm just just to give you guys a little bit of insider information. Oh I am planning to be more realistic in in the next campaign that I DM, but not to that degree by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like I'm planning on probably still this this one's the big being tested out one because we we have never played like this for you audio listeners. Love you to death. We never play love with coin death. weight. We never play with coin weight, and we never play True. with encumbrance. No. And I think we might try that one for Vivia 3 <laughs> just to see how it goes. Partially because as DM, I'm like, that could cause them to have to like go to a bank and cash in money. if they, And that could just cause some RP interaction. I'm like, yeah, I like RP. I like that. Let me force them into doing it more. <laughs> Taryn and TJ are gonna have your head on a spike by oh, the yeah. first session. TJ, um, Mr. Walking Armory over yeah. here is gonna riot. That and oh, what was the other one? I I was there was another one that I was gonna talk about, and now I've forgotten it because I talked about coin weight. <laughs> you said encumbrance as well. Encumbrance, yes. Ammo. Not ammo. Oh, that's we, we keep ammo, our ammo. Yes, rations. That was the one I was talking about. Mm. Was oh. uh, well thinking about because Jordan said it. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna do like a, a light system where it's like you don't keep track of them. I'm just gonna assume every time you go into a town and then leave it that you buy enough supplies for yourselves to survive mm. on the road. So pretty much what it's gonna be is every time you go in and out of a town, I'm gonna have you subtract a certain amount, a small sum of money understandable from the supplies well buying Karen's rations always isn't that broke. expensive okay, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a dies. thing though where every time you guys leave a town i'm gonna say okay so as you guys are leaving the town how are you divvying up the expenses for like supplies and then we're gonna determine that and may, if you guys force Taryn to pay for everything we're every going time, to, yeah he'll be broke we're gonna force um, the but also it won't everything. be that much it'll be like maybe for for five people it'll also depend on where you're going and what you expect to need but it won't it'll probably never get up to a gold because <laughs> i don't hold on 
Um, scheming real quick, could we convince TJ, since TJ's character is from another time, that it's more expensive and then pocket the extra? <laughs> I feel like that's something that we could do. Well, I mean, I'm also, I'm Warforged Gaming, so I don't need to eat, as Levi described <laughs> it in this True. setting. He says that I have the craving, so like, I'll just be like, yeah, just don't buy any food for me because we, I need my precious two copper. Uh, <laughs> And the, the coin as well. Or, uh, or you could be, you could just be like fresh cut grass and just eat the copper. <laughs> you could do exactly. that. I, I will could. allow it. I, I think oh, I'm no. going to, I'm going to put that idea in the bank though. I'm going to try to scam TJ out of his money. <laughs> Levi, look, it's working. She's already using the bank. Go. <laughs> uh, Finally. It, it is my goal for campaign three to steal money from at least every party member at least once. Oh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I there's can't wait to see style. how that's gonna go down with <laughs> everyone <laughs> honestly we get a little off the rails but i wanted to bring this up because there's a new strict saving spell it's, it's actually not new anymore really but mm-hmm. i'm so excited to use it it's called vortex warp or something warp. like that whoa <laughs> my, that's my warp noise warp. it's misty step but i can't use it on myself yeah so misty steps someone away from you or towards or, me or whatever towards, or somewhere yeah so if we're fighting a big monster that's really far if we're fighting like a, a a lich or a wizard that's really far away and slinging spells jordan i could throw you on top of him from oh, 90 feet that. away please plan to do <laughs> Actually, that because i love I was, that i was gonna say or pull him towards you but it would honestly be the better idea to throw someone because if you're pulling it would probably require a save well, it requires also, a whereas, save if no, you're it, throwing they could just choose to well, fail, and also to fail. with the with the swashbuckler feet it would be better if you just threw ren <laughs> by themselves yep. at the enemy yeah now i gotta say because i found this on uh, one a subreddit today i'm a sorcerer as well right mm-hmm. yes I can get the meta magic known as distant spell. Oh God. Go. The base range for vortex work <laughs> is 90 feet. <laughs> I'm already, have, I'm already <laughs> hating this. No, this is a no, great plan. No, this is a great I can plan. double the range. Listen so Jordan what doing to me right now. I can't. Hell yeah. I can't have shit it's oh, yeah. it's I... a second level spell. So when we're like at level eight, I can cast it more than once. So there's two enemies. If there's enemies on either side, Jordan, you go to one side and and boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I I love that so much, please. (laughs) Oh, I Ranged encounters? Bye. Out the window. Can't do those anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We finally tricked him. We tricked him into getting rid of ranged encounters. Finally. (laughs) If I ever find out, Jordan, that you stole money from me, though, if we're ever on a cliffside combat, Ren, hurry, go. I'll throw you to them. Why is there no ground beneath me? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, okay. I, you are probably the I, I plan on shaking Taryn down as much as possible. That's oh, the yeah, big true. thing. Me too. Me too. I'm gonna... <laughs> oh my God. He's gonna become punished Taryn from this punished Taryn. Wait, me and him, this is what I'm gonna do. Taryn and I are gonna pretend that Medley gets killed somehow. Oh, <laughs> really? She doesn't die. She comes back with a vengeance. She's the big bad. Her name's backwards now. It's Ildem. <laughs> Kill them, kill them. <laughs> it's, it's a, a metaphor. Rum. Yeah, it's, a, it's poetry because it rhymes. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna shake down Tara, and I feel like I feel like we can somehow convince it. Well, okay, if TJ doesn't meta game, because here's the thing: in theory, you should be able to convince a kobold out of time that, <laughs> that you should give that they should give you money. But yeah. TJ probably. Well, won't. I wonder if I could get Dylan to give if, you money. If, if he's a, if he's a logical kobold. 
he could just go to any person that's not you and ask them about money. Uh, in the world. Well, well, here's the thing, Levi. Uh, Ren can be any person that's not them. So True. I can make sure that works. But what if you're just, but like, okay. But you're telling me like, if you're in like a marketplace and you're standing in front of a merchant and he just turns 90 degrees to them and asks them and they See? tell him the truth. Here's the thing, uh, Levi. That's I when I, I use merchant. Vortex Warp. <laughs> and I teleport the merchant and Jordan. <laughs> we swap places real quick. <laughs> You're going to love this spell. You're going to love it, Levi. I, I don't think I am. I... <laughs> okay, well, we got to move on. We, we'll be well, True. We'll track a little bit. God dang. We... <laughs> I just thought that was worth this guy. It's fun. Okay. We went from cannibalism to vortex warp. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Jordan, you yes, give us. Vortex. One of your favorite history moments, history gaming. <laughs> oh goodness, I don't want to say favorite because that sounds horrible. Okay, okay, <laughs> give us a, an interesting one. The, okay, the one that I used to be upset. Okay, everybody had their like Titanic phase, so I won't do that one because that's kind of. We also have a fun story about uh, Titanic. Yes, we do. Thing. My the one that I used to be absolutely obsessed with and would research obsessively as a small child was the Radium Girls because I just found that fascinating. It's also horrifying <laughs> i actually don't know anything about this but it certainly anything. sounds interesting okay. anything that has so, to do with radiation is absolutely terrifying this is true mm. it's uh it's one of the original osha violations so it was it was like in the 20s and um women were entering the workforce and so one of the popular jobs was for women to go and work for the american radium company and they would paint luminous watch faces and it was for world war one one that's when that was it was for world war one so that soldiers could see their watches in the trenches and so that they could read like watches and compasses and things and they were paid by the dial for how many dials that they would finish during the day and they would paint them with luminous paint that was made with radium because radium glows in the dark and so what ended up happening is to paint these watch dials to get the fine tip point that you would need to paint the numbers the technique that they were taught was they would like lick the brushes to keep the point, which is uh, which is how they were taught, and this was they were told that this was entirely safe, and yep. that this was entirely like that it would be fine. The paint's completely yep. oh, non-toxic; no. it's completely safe. Everything's fine. Two and days so later, were, my tongue fell out. <laughs> well, Dang. that's the next part of the story. So these these women were led to believe that this paint was absolutely safe and non-toxic, and that they would be fine. And so it was also a fashion of the time to put radium in makeup because of the That's luminous right. properties and so people would paint this on their nails they would use it as eyeliner they would paint their teeth to make them glow and oh. so over time these uh. girls started to get very very sick how did mankind what? survive past the 1800s? Yeah, that the Victorian, end. That the Victorian yeah. period was full of so much wacky stuff in the medical world that like we should have probably all went extinct. Yeah. Uh. Well, but it gets it gets even better well it gets worse but like <laughs> it gets no it gets it gets worse because these girls I think this started is your favorite exhibit, Jordan <laughs> the, 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 these women started to exhibit symptoms of radium poisoning mm -hmm. so like their jaws would be why. rotting out of their head and their teeth would be falling off and they got extremely ill and the doctors that were hired by the American Radium Company were paid off to claim that it was a syphilis outbreak that all of these Ooh. girls had been contaminated with syphilis and they had Wait. all gotten syphilis and basically slandered these women 
saying that they were ill for other reasons and that it was not the fault of the radium company because radium was completely safe. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. I know those times were different then, but, like, people had to know syphilis patients, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, they definitely didn't have their jaws falling off and rotten off did they i don't i'm not familiar i mean i don't know i don't know what syphilis does but uh, but they they convinced a lot of the american public and a lot of these women and their families that it was syphilis and and eventually and eventually the evidence did come forward that it was radium poisoning and eventually some of these girls got justice but a lot of them died before the actual court case went through making the radium company accountable for the deaths yeah, no, of these girls. Dang. No, uh, no teeth falling out or like parts of body melting off from syphilis. Although it Although, does have some pretty nasty symptoms, so I could see how people gnarly, with little yeah. with little medical knowledge could be fooled okay. mm-hmm. because okay. it has like hair loss, swollen lymph nodes, weight, extreme weight loss, yeah. extreme tiredness, okay. permanent organ damage, stuff mm-hmm. like that. All right, which well, and also just the. Part of the reason that they picked syphilis to pin on these girls is because of the stigma that would come with it. You don't yeah. want you don't want people knowing a, that your sister it's has a sexually syphilis. transmitted yeah. disease. It was horrible. I, I really wish they would have completely bumbled the part of the of the red herring, and they would have been like, "Uh, uh, it's like, uh, common it's cold. chicken pox." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> looks at the girls with clear radium poisoning. Ch- chicken pox, you said. <laughs> But yeah, the yeah. radium girls. That is, that is. I used to be absolutely obsessed with this case. Oh God, that is anything. pretty crazy. Oh, anything with radiation, just oh God, mm-hmm. it's so. Uh. Now, this seems like a fabulous way to transition to D and D again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> uh, well, this is actually super interesting. I think when we think about D and D in history, we, like I said at the beginning, we usually like swords and and armor and and maybe magical creatures and stuff. But thinking about it in the light of the really odd moments of history, mm-hmm. I think could possibly really amp up RP and world building. Like how we have the Radium Girls and the Cannibal China Siege. Like, how cool would it be if your DM says, yeah, there was a point in history where there was a siege and people became cannibals because no one knew, no one had create food or water prepared. <laughs> That's the origin oh. of create food and water. Yeah, or some creature or something inhabits a land and some group of people in the city have to work with and around and become super sick and the government covers it up that could be super cool as well just replace it with instead of radium or or radio radioactive stuff replace it instead with an aberration or something you know that's the best way i think of when i think of a possible way to dndify this horrible tragedy story or, or even if you wanted to you could have like that those kind of things be connected like radiation and aberrations Mm-hmm. you could have Ooh. it be a situation where those are in the same basket you could have it because in vivia in my in my world <laughs> i still haven't completely determined the origin of aberrations i've kind of roughly been like yeah it's the same as forgotten realms where they're just from the far realm that's literally like outside of the universe and no one really knows where they're from but also i've kind of been like ah, i don't know if i like that though because i don't like to do a lot of stuff that normal D&D does for its origins of everything. So I've been tooling with the idea, very similar to that, of it being like, yeah, aberrations are from like some sort of grotesque, horrible mutation that happened. Something like that. There you go. It's the Radium Girls. The next time you see a Beholder, ask her out. (laughs) No. No? (laughs) For 
overtures that people died. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. Beholders are people very die all problem. the time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that was a travesty. That sounds like a, a horrible incident. Yeah, but, but at least but, it's remembered. Oh God, that, that may it be is remembered. The, well, it's also it's responsible for. Quote. It's responsible for a lot of. I can't remember the exact things that came about. It. It's not like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, where like I <laughs> can remember and correlate. But there yeah. were there were several like regulations and things that were put in place because of the the case. Good. Also, a good part for like a world building thing is to be like because of this horrible horrible accident that happened. Now we've made it to where you can't cast sickening ray on a whole fa- uh, factory of women. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or whatever. Or just the the we lesson. It would capitalism. make them work better. <laughs> <laughs> What the oh heck? My God. <laughs> that's the that's the logic of the NPCs in world. I don't Whoa. think that's how sickening right works. <laughs> so in real world, we didn't know that the well, radio it was, was that a deadly. threat. It was... <laughs> Dang. We might have to cut this happens. part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, to wrap things up, I'll, I'll talk about my next favorite one, which is still definitely like a travesty, like someone's life got ruined, but at least it was one person and not several thousand. I want I, people at home may not know or may not. I can't remember if I spoke. I think I've already said it. I am a psychology major at this point in time. I've been doing it for four years. I like it quite a bit. Psychology and history, you know, it's pretty new. Psychology is pretty new. The oldest back we can really go was like Sigmund Freud, just about, unless you want to start, you know, extrapolating, talking about the Greek philosophers. But I'm going to talk about a very special man. Special man. He's got a special spot in my heart. Phineas Gage. He also has a special spot in his head. You beat me to it. I was going to say it. (laughs) I was setting him up. For those of you at home that don't know the story of Phineas Gage, or perhaps you know the story, but maybe not the name. Phineas Gage was just like a road, a railroad worker. And they were doing some blasting to get some, you know, stuff off for their road, their railroad to make, to keep going. And Phineas Gage was working on the line. He was putting some railroad spikes down and stuff. And <laughs> it's almost like a dang cartoon. I know this was a real serious incident, but it's really funny how exactly it happened because he was sitting there working and someone was distracting him and talking to him. So he turned around and was talking back to them. And then the rock blasting blew a railroad spike into his head. It's like a cartoon where it's like, hey, Phineas, huh? <laughs> like, think fast. Like, this what? poor man. I know. Um, miraculously, though, he survived. That's why he's a psych-related person. Because he became such a hot-button thing of study, which is kind of rude. But they didn't, like, completely inhibit his life. I think they didn't put him in the lab and study him. They were just like, yeah, try living, and we're going to watch you. Well, this was also back before psychology had regulations of what you could and couldn't do to people, correct? True. Like, this was, like, way back. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this was, like, the very beginning. Uh, Yeah, the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't, as far as I know, they didn't really tie him up and do stuff to him. I think they may have tried to do a lobotomy, but it didn't really work. What else were they going to lobotomize? That's the thing. I'm pretty sure they tried, and it didn't work, because they were like, That's how they they figured it out. They were like, Oh, that's why. (laughs) It's just gone. (laughs) Yeah. He went on to live for 12 more years after this incident. However, everyone that had known him after that, after the incident was like, that's not him anymore. Which is really sad. I don't don't think you specifically went into detail about what exactly happened. You said the spike went through his head. Well, it destroyed his frontal lobe, didn't it? Yeah, it it ripped out 
his the frontal lobe of his brain, which yep. for those of you that don't know, that's like where all of your main personality drive and function is located pretty much. And your also, impulse control. I was going to yeah, say and your impulse control. control. So if you get rid of that, it just like completely changes you as a human being and makes you much more reckless and rude. He was a very different person. And that's why he was so important when you think about it, because without him, psychology may have taken, you know, it might've been another hundred years before he even figured out what anything else psychology related was. Sigmund Freud might not have been inspired to do his stuff. I don't know if you know, if he knew about Phineas Gage, but you know, he was a very important figure that allowed us to begin, you know, questioning things like our brain. The um, brain named itself. Yeah, exactly. It did name itself. <laughs> if you think about it. But I was having this conversation in my car on the way home today. I wanted to bring it up here on the floor because I, it feels almost exploitative at this point, but I have to bring it up because we are a D&D podcast and we've told you, we told you audio listeners, nope, you're not going to hear what I have to say. Phineas Gage in D&D. <laughs> I don't know how you would do that. I genuinely, I've said that for everyone. Come here, one of Taryn, them. it's I time for your character's lobotomy. No. Well, Dylan, his character in Olympus, Hector, okay, horrible, horrible wait. wound. What? You're not about to tell me that Hector is lobotomized, are you? <laughs> That's later. But, no. That's okay. after um, the Ravenwings thing. Well, we haven't really, it's been a while since I've talked about it. And, you know, he wears a shirt, so it's not ab abundantly apparent all the time. He has a horrible wound on oh, his chest. Oh, yeah. I forgot oh, yeah. he died. He died. And he, it looks like, like <gasps> a horrible pierce. Yeah. Twinsies. Whereas, that's how his constitution modifier is negative. He decided to say it is represented by a, a physical marker of his body. That's why his constitution is low. He does love to do that, doesn't he? He does love, love to do I love that. It so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good... Uh... It's a good way of keeping yeah. his characters Because that wasn't, wasn't that why Saladin's dex was so low? Yes, Saladin's, yep. in Saladin's backstory, Saladin was the the introducer mm -hmm. for Asirarak into my world because Saladin had been a cleric who had been de dealing with Asirarak before any of you met him. Yeah. And Asirarak crippled his one of his legs. Yeah. He, he uh, really messed up one of his legs, and that's why he had a minus two to <laughs> dexterity. Yeah. And then for Hector, he was in a, he was leading this mercenary crew, the Raven Wings, and they had a big, big battle that went horrible, horrible, horrible. And he got shot and stabbed in his gut and died, but then got brought back to life by some mysterious entity. Ooh. He thought it was Athena. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It I'm wasn't surprised Athena. he and Arlo haven't bonded over dying the same way. Right? <laughs> um, but Phineas Gage, I want to say, what is to stop somebody from having a similar mentality to Dylan where they're like, I want a physical reason for my character's low stat, you know? So if someone chose to do the Phineas Gage route where something breaks their brain, literally, is it intelligence, wisdom, gonna, or charisma? I'm going charisma. I was thinking wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all three here. Well, that's it. We have proof. I would like to point to Talzin Jaffe for proof that you can be wise, but not intelligent. And that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you have to have all of your brain intact to be wise. That's true. Caduceus well, was very dumb, but we see, love Caduceus. See, as a psych major, though, you got to take it with consideration. What is wisdom? You know, mm -hmm. impulse control was removed from him. Is wisdom that and is impulse fair. control correlated? That's you got to consider But then at the same that. time, are you going to say, though, that 
without your frontal lobe, you could still have a positive intelligence modifier? Well, I'm not See, really sure. Like, well, because does the frontal lobe have anything to do like, with your, like, fact retention? If I don't someone, believe it really does. I, <laughs> okay, I think in this situation, then, what is <laughs> happening is someone has managed to roll negatives on both their wisdom and charisma. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what that is the only circumstance that can lead to someone saying, "Yeah, my frontal lobe is gone," <laughs> because it would affect both your charisma and your wisdom. Definitely, you can't just be like, "But yeah, I'm still really charismatic, even though all of my <laughs> inhibitions are just gone." I I will say though, uh, Phineas Gage. I don't know if you've seen this picture. Uh, this is also a hot button issue that charisma is somewhat tied to actual physical attractiveness. Phineas Gage, kind of a baddie. Kind of a hottie. <laughs> look at his picture. I know. Look at his picture. I just didn't expect that. I also want to say that someone, I don't know who, was like, hey, Phineas Gage, you're like a very important figure now. Here, hold this rail spike and we're going to take a photograph of you to live in the history books. Oh, and, no. he, and he said, yeah. And they did it. And that's his living legacy now is him holding a rail spike. Yep. God dang. You see the picture now, right? He's kind of a baddie. Yes, I see the picture. Stop <laughs> calling him that. I don't know. I maintain that it's it's purely a charisma thing. I because I feel like you could still have a wisdom, mm. a positive wisdom stat, even if I... you were <laughs> Well, because like charisma. That's more... a phrase. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's one, one of the ones that needs to be clipped right there. <laughs> That's a good one. I... Well, because if you're talking about like charisma and DNA, because it's more than just like looks and stuff. True, it's definitely because, more than that. Because if you're thinking of, because you were talking about the impulse control and, and things like that being removed because of the lobotomy. Yeah. I feel like that would affect charisma more because that would affect your reputation more than anything else. I feel because okay. like, I, yeah, because yeah, you yeah. would still, I feel like you could still have wisdom and intelligence, but like charisma, if you're going to go streaking because you can, I feel yeah. like that'll give you a lower charisma score True. overall. Like you if definitely. you're doing really, if you're doing really stupid shit and being really rude to people, yeah, rude. that that affects your charisma. True. Yeah, I can see that. That's why I think it's both wisdom and charisma. That <laughs> I think it, can it affects actually be anything. both. Um, I'm going through my class on behavioral neuroscience now. We're learning about parts of the brain and what they all do. I hate to be a little bit of a psychology uh, superior person, but I really think almost every single stat can be affected by a certain prick of the brain. I probably, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can uh, hurt the brainstem and your dex, whoa, like you don't so walk what straight anymore. What you're telling me is if I do that to any of you, you can tell me what will happen, Pertusi. Actually, yes. New okay, subclass? good. Good to know. New subclass? <laughs> New subclass, the... The psychologist. That's a, a class. psychology major. Yeah. Some class for what class? I don't what? know. Rogue? Question mark. <laughs> actually, that would be very, very interesting. If like, no, wait, I'm actually thinking about this now. If it was a rogue or a monk, because you know how like the what was the the that no the feature that monks have. I don't. Don't remember. worry, everyone. I have this. I rolled a 23 to hit. Yeah, that hits. I'm going to put a lobotomizing strike on it. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Because it's okay. Because you do a rogue with the battle medic, with the battlefield medic feat. And yeah. so, and there's a specific subclass that you take. And so you know, like, where to hit 
I, I just can't get over like, yeah. not even not even lobotomizing them for like actually lobotomizing them but the monk just hits them like so right it just disables that part of their brain <laughs> like it's still in there it just turns it off uh, oh, the it'd be such a weird utility class go first off go off jordan yes queen correct uh <laughs> never say that ever again <laughs> oh sorry phineas gage is a baddie uh <laughs> but uh, imagine the utility of that subclass where it's like okay i'm gonna try and hit my brain just right so i understand abyssal now oh wait i didn't even think <laughs> that about would it be not being used that would think... be really interesting language comprehension oh my god i no, i didn't think about that not being used in a combat situation being used to enhance other scores oh, oh dear god There's guys so none of us can read this what do we do cut to the monk with their hands around the <laughs> wizard's head are you sure that this is safe oh trust me i've done this plenty of times before <laughs> you take 42 <laughs> points of bludgeoning damage what would that even be bludgeoning that what is bottomizing damage <laughs> psychic damage truest that's what damage. it does it's it only does psychic damage yeah. Yeah, something like this is then how you get the DMs that say, well, in my world, you don't really have a brain. Uh, I follow <laughs> the other belief that your brain is a separate self and it's not really present with you all the time. It's in its own realm. What psychology uh, bullshit? That's from before the real psychology where we were all philosophers and we're like, oh yeah, I learned crazy? about that one. I learned <laughs> about that one. Yeah, that's right. There was no science and they were like, bruh, it'd be wild. Imagine right? having <laughs> to take a psychology course. Don't I don't, I didn't have to. I did it by choice because I thought it would be interesting. Nerd. It'd be <laughs> interesting. <sighs> imagine having to take a history course though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to imagine that. What? God damn it, Levi. Nerd. <laughs> At least mine's real. God dang it. <laughs> At least mine can get me a job. Mine can. It's just really hard and competitive. It's a pyramid no. scheme. <laughs> mine's no. not a pyramid scheme. Yours is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Sorry, wait, wait. That wasn't supposed to be a dig on if Levi. You're talking... It was supposed to be a dig on Jordan. Wait, it oh. was? <laughs> okay, then I'm with you now. I side with you. <laughs> Or <laughs> it can be both. I'm still going with the Levi's in a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's not a pyramid, unless you're referring to the fact that archaeologists go and see pyramids. It's not a pyramid scheme. I How about a square. We see squares too. Squares make up the pyramids. No, no. Is that a scheme or is that just like a functioning job? I I don't understand you. It's honestly. a state <laughs> of being. TJ. TJ. Is he, he knows the, square? the shapes. He knows is shapes. He, <laughs> or is he the know. circle? Don't bring a third one in. I, Phineas, <laughs> I gotta go see Phineas. <laughs> Phineas will tell you the answer. Octangle. Oct <laughs> editing Jordan. Uh, edit, edit this, Jordan. <laughs> what? I hate the mic. Tell us something your mom doesn't know. Yeah, all right. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, why are you calling we? for editing, Jordan? I feel like, I think we've gone over an hour. <laughs> we are we? I don't yes. think we have. I think we have. We're okay. What? Let's do the Titanic story, and then we can. I forgot about the Titanic. We're gonna story. talk about the Titanic okay. story. Oh, okay. I wanted to talk about how radiation was horrifying more, but we can do Titanic. <laughs> oh, we can also talk about how horrifying radiation is. Why not both? Uh, Why not both? We can. We can go. Radiation <laughs> caused the Titanic disaster. No, Titanic caused radiation. <laughs> to be fair, the Titanic would not have crashed if they would have hit the iceberg head on. That is true. yes. That is true. Yes. So, well, it would have crashed. It wouldn't have sunk. Well, it wouldn't yeah, have sunk. Yeah, 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 it would have. People probably would not have died in mass. <laughs> yes. Not if oh, I had anything to say about it. 
God damn it, Levi. <laughs> Hard pivot to new topic. You know, we've talked about RH, one of our favorites uh, moments, but most interested Inter- in. <laughs> Sorry, interested. Can't say favorite. <laughs> no, there are many of these are my favorites. <laughs> We're not going to talk about something that I feel like we have a bit more intimate knowledge with. And that is the Titanic. Not because we were there, necessarily. I, you guys were? You guys were? Whoa, <laughs> what the heck is going on? I think on? just Pertus it wasn't. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, you must have messed up. I'm the you missed the memo? <laughs> Taryn and TJ were there, too. Then True. No, I me think and Dylan, Dylan? Dylan couldn't make it. Dylan couldn't make it. <sighs> is that the day that he and I played Warhammer by ourselves? I think uh, that must have been it. Ah, that we was had it. We messaged both of you, and both of you guys were like, no, we're busy today. You <laughs> never told us why. Well, yeah. you also, like, didn't believe us that we'd found the time machine, and then, like, we lost it when the thing sank. So Yeah, so now it's at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, that's why when I went to use it, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> Wait, I, I think you... Wait, what were you doing? <laughs> I used my own personal one to go to the main one that, you know... You guys sunk, apparently. You didn't prepare water breathing? You didn't have water breathing prepared for Tuzit? I'm sorry. I'm an artificer, I think. I don't know. This gaslighting's no, gone artificers, too far. Artificers <laughs> can prepare. <laughs> Wait, what did I just say? Artificers can prepare water breathing. My brain thought I said artificers. <laughs> That's how you breathe underwater. With the rank gas. <laughs> The Titanic. The Titanic. <laughs> the Titanic. So, Jordan and I, Jordan and I, had gone on the same senior trip together Indeed. to a lovely little place in Tennessee called Gatlinburg. No, this was Pigeon Forge. Pigeon Forge. That's right. They're so, they're, they're close together. They're right next to up. each other. Yeah. <laughs> we went to both, but we, we uh, did both. But I think the I think the museum is in Pigeon Forge. Yes, you're correct. Uh, I've been there many. I've been to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, many times. It's a popular family trip for me. There's a Titanic museum there that was not there when I was really young. It, it came out only like 2015 or 16. It's not that old yet. Mm-hmm. But we went there on our senior trip and we went there with a couple other people that were interested in it because the uh, alternative was indoor skydiving and I didn't really want to mess with that. Yeah, no. It was also super expensive to go there. This um, is true. <laughs> Titanic Museum, though, is pretty fun. They built like a whole replica of the Titanic, not full size. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, some parts were. You got to go through, like, I think they, they remade, like, the grant, like, the entry hall. Yes. And you got to see, like, what the cabins were like. It was very cool. It was a very it was cool museum. Very pretty, very cool. And I like the way they all set it up. Mm-hmm. The tour guides were also very helpful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say they were. <laughs> yeah, I was on my senior trip at the time. We were having some silly fun. That Titanic was fun and cool and stuff. But I was much more interested in being... Uh, silly and having fun so me and another guy that was on this trip we'll call him dl he and i decided hey we can either listen to the normal tour guide explain the titanic or we can listen to the kid version <laughs> well <laughs> me and mr dl were of one mind on this topic <laughs> the kid version was the way to go so <laughs> for the whole time we listened to the kid version of the titanic the story of the titanic which had some lovely characters, like the whole story of the us traveling through the Titanic on there, which it had a story for kids, was we had to find one of the really rich people's missing dogs. And along the way, we encountered Mr. Electricity. You'll never guess I, what they did. What? Because I, I listened to the actual tour. Why like did they even have a kid's tour version I of the Titanic? I don't know. 
I listened to the the actual tape accompaniment, which was very interesting, and we learned a lot of things about the ship and the history around it, and the a lot of the people that were on the ship. And apparently, like uh, Mr. Electricity. Apparently, Producer <laughs> learned about Mr. Electricity. And no, his his name is Mr. Electricidad. Don't call him <laughs> Mr. Electric. You have no idea. Like, if you've ever watched, I can't remember the director's name, but the people that makes the guy that makes Spy Kids, mm-hmm. like his over the top cheesy uh, editing. Yeah. The, when we met Mr. Electricity, the tour guide was like, "Oh, look." Now we're going to meet a new friend, uh, an invention. At this time period, we have, here he is. And then it went, <laughs> like in the most cartoony PS2 sound effect. And it was like, I'm Mr. Electricity. I was like, is this the amazing Mr. Spider-Man? Electric was played by Jack Black? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Levi? Like we were saying earlier. What? <laughs> Go on to the Titanic. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Seeing Mr. Electricity. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but over, overall, this museum was, was great and a fun time. And yes. We got the little like cards we got to figure out. You and um, you and Yell were brothers, weren't you? Or was that was that him and and um? Oh, I think we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. We were. We were the brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was very cool. When you go to the museum. Uh, I don't know if we can spoil the Titanic Museum. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a well known part of it. You're not allowed to take pictures inside the museum, but everybody knows about like the carts. That's like one of the yeah. draws of the attraction. Yeah. So you get like the card, and it has a name of a passenger of and the a Titanic. Bio. It's cute. Oh yeah. my god. And you they, they have cool. a giant they have a giant wall at the very end, and so you get to go and see what happened to your passenger if you so died you or survived if they survived or like what happened afterwards if they survived yes. what the, they go on to do. It was really cool. It, it was, was very really cool. cool. Now, the other big takeaway about the Titanic Museum. And we got to the gift shop. We got to the gift shop. Now, there's a lot to be said about the idea of a Titanic Museum having a gift shop in the first place. I got a coffee mug. <laughs> what I find much more noteworthy, though, is the contents of said gift shop. You know, it could be memoirs or uh, journals or just the photos. <laughs> There were two really big takeaways from it for me, though. The first of uh, first of which had to do with it's. It, this was actually very sweet. There was a kid that built, I believe it was a whole Lego sculpture mm. of the Titanic. It was scaled to a certain size. It's massive. It was very big. Very impressive. And if I remember correctly, a book was written either about this kid or by this kid that was called like My Autism and the Titanic. But I believe it was the kid discussing, you know, his. Uh, his love of the Titanic, the story of the Titanic. Yeah, I remember that that exhibit. Like, what well, it was, a, it, like an exhibit. They had like a model of yeah. it, and they had like a, a blurb about it. Was it was that was cool? It was cool. It was very cool, uh, especially that got featured in a museum. I would kill have anything mm-hmm. I made as a kid featured in a museum, but I probably shouldn't because those were awful. But <laughs> <laughs> the second big takeaway, though, which Jordan knows all too well. Okay, wait. I have I have one more thing before okay, before okay, okay. the big. Also, a big thing in the. T- I I was surprised and very pleased that they didn't do this more throughout the movie. Titanic was featured very heavily in the gift shop, and some of the souvenirs yeah. that were featured were replicas of the stupid necklace from the yeah. ti- from the Titanic movie. <laughs> I there were there was some like movie merchandise, which was like yeah, that's to be expected. But also, also yeah. my heart will go on was playing outside yeah. of the museum. That's right. And I was like this. <laughs> why 
Are so, you yeah, glad they, about that? Although I think I think the only the only thing that they had in the actual museum from the movie was I think they had one of the dresses, one of Rose's dresses. Yeah. Which I mean is fine. That's cool or whatever. But yeah. I was very glad that they didn't focus more on the movie during the Titanic Museum tour. Okay, oh, yeah, now sure. now get to the okay. thing. Okay. <laughs> so so those of you audio listeners, visual watchers, love and hate respectively. Imagine you know, you go to a Titanic museum. We all know the Titanic, horrible national tragedy, incredibly well known. Best way to remember it? Titanic Museum had a great idea. Titanic plushie. <laughs> it made boat noises. You squeeze it and it honks. <laughs> this is a real product that I definitely bought. <laughs> as soon as I oh he, he no. squeezed it for the rest of the trip you would just be in the cabin that we were staying in and just hear <laughs> <laughs> it was just generic oh, boat noise no. and wasn't the the text on the side of it wasn't just like generic sans serif font yes or it was comic sans i think actually. oh yeah no it was comic sans. Oh, no. that's correct it was comic sans <laughs> what a way to commemorate a national tragedy all the people died. This is what they died for. Oh, no. And, and I can say this with complete irreverence because I'm not the one that made the plushie. You were the one it. that bought it. Yes. Before uh, they took it off the shelves for being so insensitive. Is it, is it not there anymore? I went two years later and it was still there. So I'm hoping <laughs> it's still still there. Um, oh, my God. Do you have any thoughts about that, Levi? It sounds like a place I'd really want to go visit, not for the gift shop. But because I think it would be a cool historical attraction to go see. Mm. I just can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did those people like that. They like They did. <sighs> Which is why we are going to launch our own line of merchandise where we make plushies of more national tragedies. I thought we were making NFTs. They're the same thing. Silly they go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, don't squint too hard. You'll see the difference between plushie and NFT. Does it have to be specifically United States national tragedies, or could oh, it be no, other dude. countries' national tragedies? We could have all the ones we mentioned here today. Because I want to touch back on radiation for a moment to talk about Chernobyl. What's probably yes, the worst known radiation incident in history, Chernobyl. Yeah, we're gonna make a Chernobyl plushie. Yeah, and and with can... the elephant foot, the <laughs> yeah. oh. Uh, that's what I was about to ask, is what would it be a plushie of? <laughs> it's the elephant uh, We can have a normal one, and then we can have a, a, what was that, Netflix or HBO Chernobyl one? Yeah, I think it was HBO. HBO, yeah. It was actually a very good miniseries, highly uh, recommended. Yeah, it comes highly recommended by my father. I didn't watch it. Uh, I need to watch very, it. very good with the facts, and shows you why Chernobyl is not representative of nuclear power. But, <laughs> long story short, I just want to go back onto the topic of how hor absolutely horrifying radiation is to the human body. Probably what I think is the, like, oh, I just hate, I especially felt this when I was watching the HBO show, because it's like, when you know someone is not safe. Mm -hmm. HBO, it has, it's not a horror show at all, but it has that feeling to it it builds that, that dramatic like, tension it gives you this lump in your stomach because you're someone in the 21st century who has context and so you know every single one of these people are in horrible danger and it's like 
this is what I was going to say is those first moments when the reactor explodes and the uh, power plant is on fire and the firemen show up and they start like, you know, getting their hoses out and spraying everything. And they're looking at the explosion. They're looking over all the debris. They're like, Oh my God, what happened? And then one of them looks to the other one and he goes, do you taste iron? And then it cuts away. It just cuts away. And you're like, Oh my God. That's <laughs> Oh, cause like, you you know he's dead. You know if you know how radiation works, you know he's dead. If you taste iron from radiation, you're gonna die. Yeah, ra radiation is absolutely horrifying, and people that do anything with it have my utmost respect because we would never know how horrible and awful it could be to this day if people did not subject themselves to the absolute closest thing I would say to Lovecraftian horror that mm -hmm. we have discovered in the real world, which is the effects of radiation on the human body. Like the Curies. I was going to uh, say, isn't Madame Curie's grave still radioactive? I believe so. Uh, but yes, they both subjected themselves to multiple radioactive substances in the name of science, massive respect to them, and the U.S. scientists who did all the crap with the Demon Corps. If, do either of you know what the Demon Corps is? Yes. No. <laughs> okay, so the Demon Corps. Oh, boy. And for all of you listeners, watchers out there, if you don't know what the Demon Core is, is this piece of metal. And it's a, like, I don't remember the exact, it's a radioactive material. I'm pretty sure it's plutonium. And it's like a, uh, you know, those, those Russian nesting dolls, you know, those. Yeah. Well, it's basically like one of those. So there's a giant outer shell of metal. And then there's the plutonium core in the middle. I forget what the outer shell is made out of, but it's made out of like a non-radioactive substance. And the only way you get the plutonium to react is when you completely close this metal on top of it. So if this metal is not closed on top of it, there's absolutely no danger. You, nothing will come of it. It cannot harm you. It's closed twice. <laughs> it gets closed twice in its history. Both were accidents based on human error because humans are stupid. Yes, because the way it was designed, the original scientists were like, okay, here's a system we're going to use so that it can never kill anyone ever. And then the people who experimented on it after that didn't use that system. Basically, there was this whole setup where like you had to stick a pin in it so that it would always be like so close to being shut that you could test the reaction that was going on without doing it so much that it would kill people. But the scientists that got their hands on it later decided, you know what? I don't care about this pin. I'm going to jam a screwdriver in there. Mm -hmm. Real thing. He would use two screwdrivers and test, like, like whittle the screwdriver up and down to test the reactions. And well, the time that killed the man, he, you know, just kind of accidentally slipped and the thing closed. And it was closed for, I think, like half a second is the time and he immediately flipped it off and the first thing he said to everyone was all right everyone mark where you are with chalk uh so that we know what happens to the people at certain distances we're all going to be dead in like a week oh well how about that and they were all like dead in a week and they like they marked all their distances and everything to know like the effects of the radiation from such distance in the room and i don't think the demon core ever was allowed to be experimented on ever again after that uh, but it was it was very well known for its distinctive blue flash that occurred when when you when plutonium has like a reaction it lets off a blue light mm -hmm. so when it closed it would flash really brightly blue for a moment and uh, then everyone knew they were dead.
<laughs> if you see the blue flash, you know you're dead. Um, well, that's um, just hmm. a couple of radiation things that have happened in history that are pretty well known. I have I have one more fun radiation fact to to close us out. Oh yeah. Um, do you either of you know about uranium glass? I know about uranium and yes, glass, but not I know about glass. I know about uranium. Uranium glass, yep. glass uh, and the fact that it was not it did not end production until 1958. Yep. Because it is actually completely safe surprisingly and it glows and it's actually highly collectible and you can sometimes find it in thrift stores yep it's actually very interesting and the glasswork is actually very pretty it was yep. created in 1830 i i can't tell if i'm being gaslit and is it actually safe yeah no it's it's fine okay as far thought... as i'm aware let me like double check <laughs> but i'm like 90 percent sure that's like the thing is it looks like it should kill you but it's fine okay as, as this was going, like, it didn't stop until 1958 and it's still being collected. I thought this was going to be like, uh, and yeah, people still die all the time after <laughs> buying it. And I'm, I was like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> well, it's because, hold on. I'm trying to, I, I'm Probably also looking to it do up. With the uranium being depleted and not yeah. having any radioactive material in it anymore, uh, or at least not enough to kill you. Because if you don't know. Uh, we actually, there's always background radiation everywhere, and technically all of us are slightly radioactive at all times, so there's what? there's a level of radiation that we can all accumulate without actually getting hurt by it. Impossible. Also, I'm incorrect. It was not, it did not stop production in 1958. Uranium was deregulated in 1958. That's what oh, it was. Wow. Oh, <laughs> dang, that'll be awful if it turns out to be harmful, which would be crazy <laughs> if it still did now, because I think we're pretty on the up and up of this stuff now. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who want an in-depth explanation as to what actually occurs when you get hit by radiation, pretty much what it does is it makes your cell be like, oh, I got to make more of my cell. I, this, is, this is from what I remember. I might be completely wrong. I'm never going to x-ray again. <laughs> I know the last part is completely true, but the first part might be not, which is your cells are like, oh, I got to make more of myself. And then your cell like depletes itself of energy so rapidly that it's like, wait a minute. I got to kill myself. So all of your cells just start rapidly killing themselves. And that's how you die is mass cell degeneration. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to have nightmares tonight. That's pretty interesting. You know, x-rays like, are one of those things though, that like it, it barely gives you any radiation at all. And that's why you don't need to worry about them. Uh, that's what they said about the radium girls. Hi. This is Jordan from Nat One Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to, and we hope that you come back for more soon. If you'd like to keep up with the zany shenanigans of our lives and the different things that we do, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, CastBox, and Anchor. We look forward to seeing you again soon. And hey, thanks. Thanks.